Before we jump into this episode, we're going to check out a song by the band Oceans Deep, featuring our guest Ryan Shannon. The song's called Silver Bullet, and it's off their 2020 EP by the name of Retrospective. The song is Silver Bullet by the band Oceans Deep. After that, we'll jump into the interview with Ryan Shannon. from the minds of Rob Antonucci and Ryan Hetz Cannabis, available on all streaming platforms.
War self-titled 7-inch, available in black and Coke bottle clear. up at pressgangrecordsus.limitedrun.com hardcore podcast i'm your host josh lyons on this episode we're going to be talking to ryan shannon as always you can find the podcast on facebook and instagram at enterprise hardcore podcast and on twitter at podcast hardcore uh, as always shout out to all the patreon subscribers uh, i've been trying to give you guys the early content as of late and like i said lately you're going to be getting some other cool stuff soon uh after episode 100 things are going to be looking a little bit different with the podcast so we'll be talking about that real soon uh but yeah for now this is episode 98 like i said we're going to be talking to my old buddy ryan shannon uh, i remember uh it's funny because i was just talking about uh, the year 2001 and working at brugger's recently and uh, i'm sure that's going to come up in conversation with him a lot so uh before we get there though uh, how's everything going for you tonight ryan Good. Can you hear me all good? Audio good? I should have asked that before, but... Yeah, no, you sound good. Uh, as we'll get to shortly, you're you're uh, calling in from pretty far away. I guess uh, technology-wise, though, it's kind of like you're calling from here, but um, yeah. <laughs> everything sounds great, though, man. But everything's good awesome. for you on your end, man? Yeah, good. Very good so far. Um, so, yeah, man, like I said, uh, I, I remember meeting you at Brugger's on uh, like 2001 uh but before we get to all of that i guess kind of talk about your upbringing a little bit and we'll talk about like kind of uh getting into the scene and and you know you and i kind of connecting early on there cool uh upbringing like can you give me more specifics on that like where i grew up originally yeah just like where you grew up like musical interests growing up you know what i mean like if your family was like musical at all you know what i mean like what oh, yeah. the influences were like with music coming up i guess to be more specific yeah uh well i grew up in rochester new york um I was born in 84 so i'm an old man right now we're all getting up there <laughs> in the early 2000s crew and 90s crew um but yeah my family was always very musical my dad um put a guitar in my lap at like two three years old or something like that obviously i wasn't like really playing it at that time but i was familiar with it um i didn't start playing guitar until seriously until i was like more 12 or 13 but um yeah it was a very musical family uh my two younger sisters were into uh irish dance um, my mom played piano a little bit my dad um guitar piano um he played in bands uh when he was my age um, or a lot younger, um, and he's now actually a uh, has his doctorates in guitar performance uh, from Eastman School of Music. So he teaches at Hochstein, he teaches at Roberts Wesleyan, and I believe St. John Fisher. I mean, he does private stuff as well, uh, but he teaches music theory and guitar um, at a couple different uh, universities that I just named. Um, 
so yeah, there there is always musical interest. Um, my sisters and I would go to shows at Water Street, Harrow East, growing up, um, and uh, like seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade is when we really got into it and started going out. And then uh, when I met you, um, I always knew there was like a local scene, but I never really dived into it till I met you at Brugger's because um, you're you are a promoter. Um, and I remember you had me fire and so, said, hey, you should go check this out and, you know, go to, um, you know, South Wedge, um, RIT shows, uh, Penny Arcade, and that was around. Uh, those are some of, like, the more hot spots. Um, but, yeah, that's, those are my first, like, probably more, I guess you can say pivotal experiences and, you know, being part of a local music scene, whether it be punk, hardcore, metal, or hip-hop, or whatever. They all have their own, you know, groups of people that put on shows and, and work together and network. Um, but for you introducing me into that, that's what I think really stuck um, most with me, um, as far as uh, having a pivotal experience in the music scene. Um, and that kind of, I guess puts a guideline out for me going forward if you know I continue to do stuff like that which I have in Honolulu here yeah like I said we'll do like a little timeline discussion but that's something I'm real interested to talk to you about because I'm, I'm really yeah. excited to see that you've been doing all that um mm -hmm. but were there I guess before we get into like you playing in bands and stuff like were there bands like regionally or even like nationally that were like influential for you around this period like I guess uh early 2000s, so to speak, like, before you started playing in bands? Yeah, um, I always, I grew up, my first, like, rock and roll experience in the ears, you know, in a living room setting, my dad was the Beatles, um, and I'm sure a lot of people um, can say the same, because, you know, with my dad, you know, being a 60s kid, 60s and 70s kid, that was the band, you know, in that genre, um, and even more so, um, my uncle, my dad's younger brother, uh, he was more into like the Ramones and the Clash. And um, actually, when I got when I got a little bit older, uh, he gave me like original print vinyl of the Clash, um, the Who, um, and I think I got a Ramones one too. So I, I still have that to this day and I look at it and look on the back and it says like printed 1977. I'm like, holy fuck. But, um, those are like really special things, but he was the guy who turned me on and was, you know, would talk about, you know, CBGBs and, you know, late seventies and eighties growing up and going to those shows and, you know, seeing the Ramones live. I don't think he ever saw the clash, but I know he saw the Ramones. Um, and then, uh, actually like getting into like, the early 90s he would be like hey if you're you should check out this band nirvana you know kurt cobain you know he's doing all this stuff and it got into more of the grunge stuff um but that between my dad and my uncle those were my first like kind of core um uh experiences and like kind of guiding me into like the taste of music i really really like i listen to a little bit of everything um but those are my like really youngest and most memorable moments is like listening to those records with uh, my uncle and my dad. It's funny too because when, when you and I were first working together at Brugger's back in the day, uh, you had a, I, I feel like you had a Clash T-shirt, and that's how you and I first started talking, and that's and that's how Probably. I sparked the discussion <laughs> with you. Yeah, yeah. my so, little skateboard Clash T-shirt. Um, I know you didn't start 
really playing in like the Triumph. I feel like that was more like 2003, 2004. Like, ha- had you attempted to do bands like before that, or the Triumph was probably late 2002 um, ish. But yeah, I, I mean, I had some 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 bands with a couple buddies before, but nothing nothing really notable. We didn't really play a whole lot of shows. We did like those uh, battle the bands type things um, at Water Street, and I think one at Harrowies, but nothing, you know, on the level of like what I did with the Triumph um, and any band thereafter. Uh, I like to call it. I, I split it. And this is kind of mean. I don't mean to offend anyone um, that this might touch, but I have my unorganized period of music, and then my more like all right. You know, there is a business side of this, too. So, and then my organized side of music where, you know, let's actually work on these songs and develop them and, you know, record them proper and actually do something with them type of side. Um, But, yeah, so Triumph would probably be my more first, like, experience, specifically with the guys I was working with. You know, it was started out with Nate Goley and Nick Lemesis, and then it was Nick Lemesis and I... Um, and Zach and Sean, um, between like Thieves Auction and the Triumph, that was kind of like a two-parter. But um, that Triumph was probably my first, is my first like more um, serious type band, I guess you can say. Yeah, it's cool too because obviously I had Nick Lemesis on like several episodes back, like probably like uh, maybe two years ago now, actually. But uh... I love that Wu Tang story. I could never not yeah. hear that. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. He's he's got a lot. He's got a lot of all the people we know. I feel like he's got a lot of a lot of good ones like that. You know. I don't know how he gets himself in those. It's just it's just him. Yeah, some people <laughs> just have those those, those yeah. just the right personality for those kind of situations, I guess. Um, but um, did you? So how did how did that all come about though? I guess because you were kind of rattling off a bunch of names there, but like with the whole triumph thing. Um. I remember, so originally, um, I was having some jam sessions with Christina, who was in a uh, girl punk rock band, the name escapes me, um, but she was playing bass, I was playing guitar, um, and I was going to local shows at the time, and I talked to Greg, um, and... Greg couldn't do it because he was tied up with a project that haven't hadn't been announced yet, but what it turned into be he was doing Hold True slash Witness at the time. So he was busy with that. But he mentioned Nick, gave me his com, uh, contact, and I got a hold of Nick, and we jammed, um, and it meshed, and then that's how it all kicked off. Then eventually he, yeah, Nick Golia, and then his brother got involved um, through Nick, and then it, uh, I ended up actually playing with Nick in another band for a little bit, Shards of Glass. Um, that was the one that you were mentioning. I couldn't remember it at the time. feel like a dick for not remembering that. But um, And then it ended up verging into like the, the triumph. Was Christina left and Zach and Sean got involved. Um, and it turned into that, that EP that everyone has now. Now, as I always preface this, because I'm going to mention a show that I'm not sure about. I know this is like going back like 20 years, so if the memories are kind of foggy, I completely understand. But I feel like there was a show that I booked, and I can't remember if it was a Triumph or Thieves auction, but it was like uh, Circle Takes the Square, 
uh, Renoff. Do you remember that show? Or Yeah. At the skate park? Yes. Yes. The fucking uh, Pittsburgh skate park, was it? It was like uh, Pittsburgh Henry. Henrietta, like X-Extreme. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, Extreme. Yeah, yeah. That that was the same skate park that had that giant New Year's show with like Bane. Uh, yep. Yeah, those shows were awesome. We were in the little back room, but that giant show was fucking on the half pipe, which was so dope. Um, but yeah, I remember all those. There was there was a few of them that we played. I remember seeing like another breath there. Um, Hold true, witness. Everyone played that. Uh, what other, what other, that, that's my one, uh, big triumph memory, I guess. Like, you got any other, uh, uh, shows that you guys play with, like, like, bigger bands or any other funny, uh, yeah. show memories or anything um, like that? Triumph lucked out. Um, we played a few, like, really, really cool shows that I look back on now, and I have the Flyers still, too. Um, and I'm like, holy shit, I played with that band. But we played at one of the Lodge shows with Ruiner, um... And a couple other bands I can't seem to remember, but I remember Ruiner. Because that was my big like thing. It was like, hey, you guys want to play this show? I'm like, with fucking Ruiner? Hell yeah. Why wouldn't we want to play that show? Um, and we played with Bane in Canadagua. That was a John 25 show. Um, when they rolled through there, um, Marathon was on that. I think Witness was on that too. Um, Triumph. But that was that was a really sick show. My specific memory. I'm so pissed because I bought like my first like the you know the the traditional Bane hoodies. I bought my first Bane hoodie there because we our merch was set up right next to theirs. And I think I was talking with like Zach or something like that, and we were like swapping merch. Um, and he gave me that, and I was like, God damn it. Um, and it was my favorite hoodie, and I got fucking taken by an ex-girlfriend. So she stole that shit, and I was like, and you can't find that color anywhere. Well, you can't find those hoodies anywhere now because they're they're not a band anymore, but it was, like, black with, like, gold lettering. I'm pretty sure I wore that shit, like, every fucking day after that show, but. Yeah, one of your future yeah. bandmates made fun of me for rocking a few hoodies uh, every day all the time uh, back in the day, so. <laughs> you know, I know how that is. Uh, there's a few, there's a few things you mentioned there though, because uh, I had Nate Derby on a little while back, and I wasn't at that Canandaigua show, but I know to him and like some people from Canandaigua, that's kind of like uh, a noteworthy show, because obviously like Canandaigua is oh, like yeah. a smaller, like town really? on the out, uh, outside of Rochester, so for them to have a big show like that, um, that art cool. space probably never did a hardcore punk show after that one again, but because that place went off. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a little nerve wracking too because that was kind of a snowier, icier time where like anyone can get in an accident. Thank God nobody did, or you know roads get shut down and nobody fucking makes it. But that was that one. Everyone got there thankfully. A show happened and it popped off, and that that's a huge memory for me. Did uh did you guys ever do like any touring or like any like outside uh, Rochester like any weekends or anything or? We did some. We did, I think, two Syracuse shows. Uh, there was a Syracuse fest that we followed Achilles out with, 
and Witness played too. Um, fucking um, this is really stretching my memory, but yeah, there are a lot of really really bigger bands on that one. Um, I think Ensign was on that one. Um, what the fuck else was on that one? There was this really cool younger band on there called Shark Attack uh, out of Syracuse. I don't know if you remember who they were, but they ended up doing like a few things. Um, um, uh, this is Hell was on that one, I think. Um, there were a few, but it was at, uh, like a community center, like on just a regular, like basketball type floor. Um, but that was great. We did a, we did one of those. There was somewhere else that we played too. I can't quite remember. Um, uh, I don't think we ever made it to Buffalo. We were like, once we were the triumph, we only had like a year and a half, maybe two years of doing stuff. And Zach and I were both in uh, Finger Lakes Community College at the time, too. So that put a little damper on some stuff. Sean was somewhere in school. I can't remember where. And Nick was uh, Nick was waiting tables at uh, P.F. Chang's. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was, that was that. I wish that band did more... I remember when Zach and Sean that were like, we're going to do a last show. I'm like, really? I feel like we're just getting started. What the hell? Why? And they're like, no, nah, we just don't feel like doing it anymore. I'm like, why? And we literally like just got started. We're getting cool shows now. Like two weeks ago, we just opened up for Bang. Why are we stopping? Let's do some stuff. We got into Syracuse. People kind of know what's, you know, you start networking as a younger band. You can start doing more stuff. And they're like, nah. I'm like, you know, nothing against them at all. They're great dudes. It just wasn't, they didn't want to do that. And you can't force anyone to do that. You know, playing in bands for almost 20 years now, like, you can never, ever force a member to do something. Otherwise, it's just going to suck. Nothing will ever be fun. You know, sometimes that shit happens. But love those guys. It was a great time. Um, but it definitely ended prematurely. Damn, that's crazy. They, they wanted to break it up right after the Bane show, though, for real? It was like two, three weeks right after that. Um, we ended up doing a Syracuse show, and then our last show was at Extremes um, uh, with another breath. <laughs> so it wasn't like it wasn't set up to be like the last Triumph show. It's just we were on a show with another breath, and we we're like, "This is gonna be our last show." Fuck. So it seems like a couple of years in between that and Avenue U, uh, would you have just been like jamming here and there casually with people before you guys started doing that? Or I was, I had a little bit of sour taste in my mouth after the triumph. I won't lie. So I was like, you know, and then with with everything I did with that, I kind of had an expectation, you know. So I was very picky and still am to this day, who I play with. Um, and I ended up, uh, I had a little band going called Cinema, which did some Canandaigua shows. That was with Tim Knapp. He was in a band called Verona. It was part of the runoff crowd. Um, and uh, everyone else in that band was pretty new. 
um, but all great fucking musicians, and a couple of them went off to actually do some stuff. Um, that band, again, was a very prematurely ended band, because we had a decent couple singles. And then after that, I was like, you know what, fuck this, nothing seems to be working out. And I took a year and just worked, and then I let something fall into my lap. I ended up working at ADT, and I met Kevin O'Brien, um, and we started Avenue U together in my attic at my parents' house. And then um, Steve Doyle hopped on bass, and Brian Allerton hopped on drums. I started Avenue U, and I went from hardcore to now I'm going to play in a pop-punk band. So Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I wanted to make sure we kind of backed it up a little bit before we jumped into that, because it's obviously a complete 180 from playing in a band like The Triumph, which I don't think we really discussed, like, sonically what The Triumph did. But, I mean, playing with bands like Bane and Ruiner, you know, I think you kind of get an idea if you never heard you guys. We were were just straight-up old-school hardcore band, like, kind of like American Nightmare-ish. Definitely some of the riffs I wrote for Triumph were super influenced if you were to break it down like there's some American Nightmare probably very close to some rip-offs in there but um, but that that was a huge band I was into at the time and still am um, but then going to Avenue U a lot of those riffs were like follow-up boy type stuff um, yeah like older follow-up boy under the cork tree type follow-up boy now uh, at least a couple of the dudes from Avenue U were in that band Murdoch before, too, right? Uh, Steve was. Just Steve? Kevin O'Brien was in another band. Uh, I forget what it was called, but they're like the Webster crew bands, the Webster High School Lodge Show bands, you know, third estate type crew. So, um, did I say so, that right? I'm pretty sure. I might say yeah. some fucked up names were like, that's not what they were called. You got half of it right, but I'm like, come on, this is 25 years ago. So, uh well i got yeah shout out steve kevin all those guys i haven't talked to any guys in years if you listen to this but i guess i'm curious about those guys though um because i know you would have known brian or like around from like going to hardcore shows and stuff but those guys are more like you said like the webster scene and probably more like pop punk for lack of a better word like were you going to shows with those guys before you worked with them or did you kind of more meet them at adt um well I, i met kevin officially at adt and then I met Steve through Kevin. Brian I met through, you know, the Rochester hardcore scene. Um, but I was familiar with the Webster scene um, just from in high school. I think my junior high school, I was dating a girl that went to Webster Schroeder at the time. So I was, I knew faces. I knew of the Lodge shows and I went to some of those. So I knew, and I knew who Murdoch was, you know. Um, I didn't really know those guys until later on, but, you know. It's it's Rochester. People just kind of get to know it. So it's not the biggest city, but um, everyone's somehow interconnected. And I, like, my high school years, I did not really hang out with too many people from my high school. I had, you know, my two younger sisters. I had a couple, like, key friends. Um, but I was <laughs> right up at the end of my sophomore year. I was like, I'm out. I'm coming to class. I'm like, fuck all this. I got, and that's like when I started working at Brugger's, I'm like, there's a whole lot better group of people to hang out with than what's in these fucking four walls right now. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of, yeah, that was, that was me. 
<laughs> I was I was like, there's, I got involved in music in my own little kind of like niche and stuff, which, you know, you thankfully introduced me to, and you know, I met everyone else out there through that. Yeah, so I remember I was in Denver when you guys first started forming this band because I, I came back and famously was uh, sleeping on Brian's couch during a lot of your guys' yes. practices. You're the basement um, guy. <laughs> so you guys had you guys had just formed the band pretty much when I moved back there, though. Yeah. I want to say this was like fall of 2006. Um, uh, was that about, is that, does that sound about right to you, I guess? Yes, Avenue was 2006. Now, I don't know what the first show or first couple shows are, but obviously, again, living there, I have a few funny memories. I know, didn't you guys play Jeremy's uh, birthday show that year in 2006? We uh... did. We we had a house party at Brian's in the basement, which was, I think, our unofficial debut um, playing right in his basement. That was was a fun time. and fucking god damn I can't remember the name of that band but it was Jay's band who comes in later when I did Starlight Cities um anyways we did a uh we did a couple Penny Arcade shows uh we went to fucking um St. Bonaventure to play a a show we went to Alfred State to play a show uh, Avenue U actually kind of made some rounds in New York, which was really nice. Um, and uh, what else did we have? We did a Buffalo show. We did a Syracuse show. We we were weekend warriors. We were literally, we all had like the regular Monday through Friday job. And, you know, Friday night would come around and be like, where are we going this weekend? All right. Um, it was fun. We got in the uh, Brian Allerton Kitchen Express van, <laughs> loaded all our shit up. And just went wherever the shows were, but that was that was fun. Uh, Brian Moore, Red Booth, uh, recorded all our shit. Um, even when I ended up leaving that band, they still went to him to record the later day stuff. I don't know what year it was, but I swear you guys played because you're talking about the van, and that's what my funny memory is is uh, a Jeremy Burke show at the montage because. I just remember yes, coming yeah, back there, yeah. like, so we drunk in the back of that van, like, threatening you guys, throwing <laughs> shit at you guys, and that was, like, in, like my heavy, heavy, heavy drinking days, yeah. too, you know? No, I, mean? I remember that. Yeah. The montage, oh. yep. That was a, that was a late night, but that was a, that was a good show. There was a fucking, uh, Nick showed up to that show, too, and that was the first time I'd seen Nick sense the triumph, and I was literally tuning up. And I turned around, and fucking right there is Nick. He's like, what's up, man? I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was a fun show. I feel like Sirens played that, too, because I remember uh, I might have gotten a little sick uh, doing the drunk mod that, that night. That, oh, was, that was, like, the end of Runoff. Well, that's, that's Sirens, the end of runoff. Sirens started close to when I moved to Baltimore which is 2010 area, uh, maybe a little bit before. Um, but I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that particular show was still runoff. Um, and RIP JMFT, fucking John Turner, man. He was one of my close friends in Rochester. I went to Finger Lakes with him too. 
Yeah, you know, it's weird. When I worked at DeBella's in, like, 2008, I used to see him at the mall and on the bus all the time, and him and I would have, like, ridiculous conversations. So, yeah, I, I was shocked when I heard about that. So, definitely RIP and, you know. Um, but, I, you know, I, I was kind of surprised, all due respect, like, to see you playing hardcore again, too. Like, now, as we'll get to in a little bit in Hawaii, because once you kind of you know dive down these... Are, Come on. You know, or that's true, but, but once you dive <laughs> down these, these pop punk rabbit holes, I feel like sometimes you never come back. You know, it's like you're... No, um, I still... I. That's 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 what my dad appreciates me about the most, is like I can weave in and out and do different things and still fucking pull it off. Um, like it's nothing. Like Starlight Cities came after Avenue U. That was short-lived before I moved to Baltimore. But that was another pop punk, more like radio rock type stuff uh great fucking singles um those guys did some little stuff when i moved back to baltimore and they're still playing those guys um some of my best friends are in were in that band and now are doing something called the jump off which is you know a bar cover band um josh simmons jake butler um the jbrd dudes um yeah, but, I mean, it's, to me, it's more, like, exercising musicianship and being able to go from, like, one genre to another one, the back, and then skip other, then maybe stretch this one a little bit more. Um, and then, yeah, uh, it was in Baltimore, did fucking nothing. I went dark for a little while, um, just because of the government job I was working at the time. Um, I really couldn't do anything. Um found my way out to Honolulu by a transfer with the government worked a couple more years then separated um, I found the scene here while I was still with the government started Oceans Deep while I was still with the government um, met my now wife um, in 2017 and just got tired of the shit it it really ended up i was like really ended up being like with the government like you can move again or you can stay here and just have like a flat career um and i was like you know what? i just don't want this career anymore so i was like resign and i stayed in hawaii and that's where i am now um and have my wife who i'm in a band with now too she's a singer um which is a pop-punk cover band, Sad Kids. It's a straight-up, just, you know, the emo night stuff that is really big now? It's like that, but with an actual band playing all the songs. That's what Sad Kids is all about. Um, so I do that in Ocean's Deep. Um, high fives, booking. Um, and then I just started another, more like beat-down type hardcore band called Blood Money uh, with some guys. This, this scene out here is fucking crazy. It's... It literally mirrors Rochester with, like, that dude's in this band, he's also in this band, but he also plays in that band part-time, sometimes in that band, and then it's, like, it's, like, ten bands, seven dudes, but, <laughs> um, but it's great, um, and I think that's what really attracted me to just throwing myself back into it again, because I found, um, what I had in Rochester again, but out here, and it just—it was a mirror effect for me, and that's 
you know, one of the happiest times I had was like those early 2000s going to Enterprise shows or John 25 shows, playing in bands, and I got to redo it again out here and then, but redo it, but maybe, maybe not make some of the mistakes I made when I was a dumb young, you know, 19, 20 year old, so... I kind of want to ask you some more Hawaii questions, but I, I, I'd be remiss if I you mentioned a couple of things casually there. And if you don't want to answer any other questions, I totally understand. But did you ever get, like, really deep in with the government or anything? Or were you still kind of, like, uh, <laughs> early stage, like, gig or whatever, you know? Uh, fucking Josh and Jake, whenever I come home to Rochester, I'll be back there at the end of December, though, so we should link up. Um, Mel and I are flying in. Um but they always ask me to like, yo, fucking who killed JFK? Come on, tell us. And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Um, deep in, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get into like stuff like that. But um, very briefly and generally, I was a protection officer in charge of protecting things, places, and people. And that's what I did. I read around, flying around, doing different things, but I was mainly in uh, Baltimore area, Baltimore, D.C. area. Ten and years. obviously coming from, like, punk and hardcore, which is kind of, like, anti-government and anti-cop and whatnot, did you ever have any sort of, like, qualms or, like, uh, reservations, I guess would be a good word, about doing any of this stuff? Again, we can we can move on to the Hawaii stuff after that. I swear it's the last question about this stuff. No, it's, it's totally fine. Um there, nothing ever, like, really, like, really troubled me to where I was like, I can't fucking go to work. But there were some times where I was like, God damn it, you know. It was more like, it's more like little things, you know, just, there, there's certain areas where, if you've ever been to D.C., you know you're not allowed to take pictures or, like, cross certain areas, you know. And if you did, you'd have to deal with, like, the Capitol Police or Secret Service. I've had some situations where I was on that, you know, and I've been like, fuck, I gotta tell this person, like, to fuck off, and I, you know, they're just interested in history, you know, I can clearly see that, but now, because they did something, I gotta ask them all these fucking questions, you know, that type of shit bothered me, because I was like, I can clearly see they are really not a threat. It's a dad and his fucking three-year-old son, they're just trying to fucking go see this, you know, stuff, you know, um, a little stuff like that kind of bothered me, but that was pretty much the extent of that. I didn't really have a whole lot of those experiences, but um, little things like that irked me. Um, just to entertain your question, pretty much. I'll say, too, like when you were first uh, getting re ready to get into all this stuff, too, it was around an era where I was living a little differently, and I was like, man, I don't know how much stuff I should be really saying around this dude anymore, you know? Like, <laughs> while, we're, while we're getting into this kind of training, you know? <laughs> But everything's legal now, so I guess it doesn't really matter, you know. But back then we were, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, but no, so you were talking about all these different bands you did in Hawaii, or doing in Hawaii. Now, I kind of want to break it down a little differently. Um, Do my it. first question is, are you, like, actively, like, helping to book and promote stuff there, too, or? So, High Fives and Stage Dives Oahu is, is me. I book under that name. So, I have set monthly nights that I have set up with venues that are my night. And I will always have a show on that night. So I have first Saturdays at a venue called Next Door, which, to give you a comparison, would be uh, like a like the old Penny Arcade. 
just like that. Um, <clears throat> I have booked at recently just kind of generated a relationship with uh, the Republic, uh, which is run by the BAMP project team. That would be like your uh, Water Street or Harrow East. Like if there were an actual production company that ran one of those two venues, that would be the comparison. Um, so I'm starting some stuff with them, but I am bringing in national acts. Uh, like I have Dropout Kings, which is Jill Lana's band, who I played with in Starlight Cities. Um, they're flying out here. They're coming back from Australia and stopping in Hawaii and Hawaii before they go to Mexico. So it kind of worked out. Um, <clears throat> their Stalag 13 is here right now. Um, so I'm helping with that. Um, next door is friends with the Bowling for Soup dudes. Um, so they brought, are bringing them here next weekend and pretty much just kind of gave it to me to promote and run it and book all the opening acts for uh, just because I'm a little bit more familiar with who would come to that show type thing for them. Um, and yeah, I got a, I got a bunch of stuff going on in, in the pipeline, but yeah, I'm actively booking and um, helping uh, keep this scene going pretty much. Now, I imagine there, there's probably not like a ton of bands in the area, right? Because it seems like it'd be a little smaller for like local like type stuff. Or I, I know you mentioned like a, a variety of bands, obviously, but surprisingly, there's enough for me to do one show a month and not repeat a band in like three months, which is pretty good. Uh, I mean, and, you have your you have your your bigger bands that are kind of, for lack of better terms, carrying the scene. I'm gonna get some shit for saying that, but. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean, though. Um, and then you have, like, you know, newer bands that are starting up, you know, trying to get some, uh, you know, their legwork in them, if you will. But uh, there's enough for me to, you know, put on five bands in one night and then go two, three months and not even repeat any of those bands. Just put up other bands. So that's, and that's kind of jumping for... around a little bit, when you do the uh, with Sad Kids is the emo cover one, you said? Yes. When you do that band, do you guys play with like other bands, or is it just kind of like you guys playing a bunch of covers, like like one night or whatever type thing? We did we did a show we did one of my shows uh, where I put Sad Kids on um, as more of an experiment to see if you know people would still come out. That started a couple months before I booked that. Cat, um, who plays uh, bass in Oceans Deep and plays drums in Sad Kids. Um, he's also a promoter, and he does more like themed nights rather than just a straight up local show. He's he originally started with something called Poser Fest, which is an interesting concept um, that he's done for years, where he would put on a night called Poser Fest and say like, okay, every band I book, you know, you're not going to be Oceans Deep tonight, you know pick a band that you want to cover and you're going to do a tribute set to that band. Some people even dress up, you know, as the members of that band. So Poser Fest, you're playing this band. Some bands even take it further and, you know, will start mixing up members and say, hey, we're going to do Black Flag. Uh, we're going to do Taking Back Sunday. I did one where uh, uh, we were Alkaline Trio one year. Um, and 
so he took that um at the same time mel and i were doing like acoustic covers with another guy um uh just pop punk stuff acoustic and it was coming around a time where he wanted to do another poser fest but this time um and this was may of this year he wanted to do a uh, emo night type theme and he approached mel and i was like hey let's you guys want to just cover one band together or should we do like a bunch of different songs and i forget how we eventually made that decision but we ended up landing on like let's just be a band we'll grab a couple other members and just cover a bunch of stuff you know you mentioned emo night we're going to do that but be a real band and then we got a second band which is a local pop punk band called summer street they basically expanded their band and did the same thing and we booked it in may as emo night live Sad Kids, and then Summer Street. Summer Street actually just changed their name for the night. And we just made sure ahead of time uh, we weren't repeating songs. So we had a list of songs, like, okay, we're doing these ones, you can't play that, and then vice versa. Um, and that was May, and that fucking went off way bigger than we ever expected. There was That club was so fucking packed that you couldn't fucking move. We did like a balloon drop during uh one of the songs and people were just all about it after that just as an experiment that's when i booked sad kids on a regular local show all those fucking people came again and then now cat was like i want to do this shit again but we need a bigger venue so we're doing it at the end of this month at a larger venue called hawaiian brian's that holds like probably like seven eight hundred people in there isn't huge but it's a lot for our scene and he added, like, an extra uh, incentive on there. We're going to make it a prom night. And it's 18 up. So, and on the weekend of Halloween. I mean, why wouldn't you fucking go to that show? It's going to be dope. Is that something that you've ever considered uh, taking that project, like, on the road at all or anything? Because, like, I know there's been, like, tours and stuff. And, like, even, like, our yeah. mutual friend Jeremy has, like, that Electric Feels thing that he yeah. takes, like, everywhere, Dude, you know? Electric Feels is coming to the Republic here in, like, a couple weeks. I gotta fucking hit him up and be like, yo! Um, but Cat and I and Blaine, who's the other guitarist in the band, have discussed it. Um, Blaine did a lot of booking um, in the earlier 2000s, you know, when you were in Rochester, he was that guy out here. Um, we've talked about it, maybe, like, doing a Maui one just to see because we got some connections with the maui scene i brought a couple of the punk bands from maui over here to play and i've asked them I'm like hey would something like this actually go over there and they were totally all about it so you know it's it's in the works we'll see what happens but if it's just me as long as emo night um as we know it with the djs and stuff is still selling out venues then what we can do probably be just the same it's the same crowd that's what i've seen anyways going to an emo night of republic versus a sad kid show all the same kids come so it's 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 an easy thing to do i think um and then i guess kind of so ocean's deep's more of like a hardcore band right yeah um We've done maybe six shows this year, and then we're opening up for Dropout Kings in November when they fly out here. Um, yeah, we we are heavily influenced by, like, Comeback Kid and Bane. Um, those are the two big influences. 
we've been together since 2017, so about five years now. And we have one, three records out. Um, and we have a whole new, brand new set list that we're ready to record. It's just been kind of hard to get together with everyone's schedules. Um, Joey, our front man, is a new dad still. So um, uh, we're giving him time to make sure that, you know, he is with his family too. You don't want to steal away a guy to do some local shows when he's trying to raise a son. <laughs> but um, that is a, that was, that Ocean's Eve is my first, like, actually initiating a band here in Hawaii. So it holds a special place in my heart. Um, but yeah, that's Pat Stefano made some comments on that when I sent him the stuff when we came up with the latest record. I wish I remember what he said, but he, he gave it to the singer of the band and was like, you guys remind me a lot of this band. I fucking wish I remembered it. It makes no sense to me even mentioning it right now because I don't remember the band. But um, It might have been This Is Hell, actually. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's that's a really fun band. Um, if no one's ever listened to it yet, it's easy to find on Spotify, Apple Music, and we have a YouTube channel too. Um, yeah, Wild Boys was a side project, same thing. Um, if you like Knock Loose, Wild Boys, go check out that EP, Spotify, Apple Music. Um, short-lived project that I did. Um, if you guys, for fans of, of Wolves, specifically to the Rochester scene, then you'll like Wild Boys, so go look at that. Um, then Blood Money is basically an offshoot of Wild Boys that I just started up. Um, the, <laughs> the drummer of Wild Boys, his fiance, Little Locke, is the drummer for Blood Money, and she fucking kills it. Um, funny little connection there um but same idea if you like knock loose um check out blood money um and then sad kids we already talked about do kids go off pretty hard there like what's the mosh like in hawaii i i've never um, seen any videos of like hawaii hardcore it's it's hard enough so if you uh i've just more recently on the oceans deep youtube page have put up some live footage so you can kind of get an idea of there of what goes on there but there's some stage diving there's some hardcore dancing um there's been a couple times where we've had to stop a song because someone's gotten hurt or someone's just you know going off a little bit too hard where it's you know upsetting somebody um the interesting thing about hawaii is we have a we have a lot of military bases here so there's a lot of people from the East Coast, the West Coast, from the Middle America. All those hardcore kids that are now joined the military are now here, and they see a hardcore show, they're going to come. So you're going to get a lot. I've, I've met dudes from fucking Philly that have been to This Is Hardcore. Um, I've met a couple of people from Rochester. I've met some Boston people. Um, yeah. Uh, they're, they're here, man. So <laughs> you, you get... You're going to get just about the same thing as you would see in a Rochester show. Shout out to Ruben. Ruben Buffalo. Ruben, yeah. He's on his way back here, actually. He'll be here in a couple of weeks. I saw that was him crazy. Up. 
when I ran into him at that beach show. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He told me about it after, like around the same time you did. I, I saw him a few months ago in Buffalo. He's a, he's a really old friend of mine, a really good dude. So it's it's, it's weird. I, I you guys are probably about. I guess I know him a couple years longer, but about that long, you know, like a little over twenty years. So it's just crazy now. Uh, reflecting back on all that, as we do uh, very often with this uh, podcast. So, and uh, speaking of which, I guess before we kind of close the book on all the Hawaii stuff, is there anything I missed on that before we start wrapping up uh, the interview altogether? I guess. Um, I mean, Instagram follow uh, high fives and underscore stage dives Oahu for all the shows out here in Honolulu, to include music from the different bands I'm in. Um, everything's available on Instagram. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, it's out there. So if you're interested, check it out, or even just drop me a message if you have a question. If you're in a band from Rochester, Buffalo, Syracuse, or anywhere, you know, and have interest in playing in Honolulu, send me a message. We can work something out. Um, it's a nice place to hang out. I always sell it as like, hey, you you want a few days off from tour? Honolulu's not bad, especially if it's going out or coming back. You know, from Australia, Japan, it's really easy. Um, or if you just want to do an adventure, you know, it's it's fun. We had the, the Zabalba guys come out here all the fucking time, and we hook them up, put on shows with them, um, and yeah, it's a good place. Uh, I guess it'll have long passed by now, but I think you and I were talking before about putting some music on here, so hopefully we'll have uh, an Ocean's Deep song at the beginning of the episode or something like that. So. Um, well, uh, you and I will talk about that after the episode, and uh, through the magic of editing, people have already uh, long uh, listened <laughs> yeah. to that one by now, though. But, um, but yeah, man, it was really great catching up. Uh, like you said, you're going to be in town in a little bit, so uh, hopefully we, you and I can connect and uh, yeah, have a December. laugh on old times, Brugers and whatnot. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to go to Brugers. We're just going to go to Brugers. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I eat Brugers anymore, honestly, at this point in my life, but we'll see. Um, but uh, I guess before I kind of do my closing uh, uh, thoughts on the episode and everything, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add to the interview or anything like that? No, nah, man. Thanks for having me on. It was great catching up. Um, I love reminiscing. Um, it, it seems like such a short time to actually cover all the little details, but it was great just to talk and, and uh, catch up on Rochester. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I want to give a special thanks to Ryan for doing the interview. Uh, next episode, 99, we're going to be talking about the big changes and upgrades to the podcast. Uh, stay tuned for that. As always, thanks to Rob Antonucci, Jim Byrne, and Greg Benoit for all the help with the podcast. Thanks to my family for supporting and giving me very helpful advice with the podcast. Thanks to everybody for listening. See everybody real soon and stay safe.